Hi, I'm Adam Phillips, and I love comics. Sure, I love superhero comics, but I also love comics that are funny, or romantic, or educational, or even kind of filthy. Some have been around for decades, but I have a special place in my heart for the ones that came and went in the blink of an eye. We call them one-shots, and some of them you may have heard of, while others might make you ask, why? This is One-Shot Wonders. At the start of the 1960s, Alfred Hitchcock was a household name. He had a hit TV series that he appeared on every week. He had a monthly mystery magazine bearing his name. By my count, he had three separate book series with his name in the titles. There was even a board game called Alfred Hitchcock Presents Why. To my mind, the question is, why no comics? Mystery comics were booming in the early 60s. Western was publishing... Twilight Zone and Boris Karloff mystery comics, and they were popular enough to run close to 100 issues each and continue into the 1980s. ACG had adventures into the unknown and forbidden worlds. Marvel and DC had a multitude of mystery comics. Marvels included Strange Tales, Journey into Mystery and Tales of Suspense, and tended to focus on aliens and giant monsters. DC's included House of Mystery and My Greatest Adventure, with stories that were a little less blatant about the source of their scares and a little more atmospheric. On top of that, DC had long-running titles based on Hollywood personalities like Bob Hope and Jerry Lewis. So why no Alfred Hitchcock comics? As far as I can see, there are two possibilities. One, Hitchcock or his agent thought comics were too lowbrow. Or two, there wasn't enough money in them to bother. Instead, we'll have to make do with Sir Alfred, a one-shot comic written and illustrated by Tim Hensley, the cartoonist behind the acclaimed graphic novel Wally Gropius, The Umpteen Millionaire. Published by Pigeon Press in 2015 and distributed by Fantagraphics, Sir Alfred is a 40-page comic measuring 10 by 12 and 3 quarters inches, limited to just 1,000 copies. But it's more than just a comic. It came in a mylar sleeve with specially designed stickers on the front and back, plus a hand-stamped, numbered Jucle print and a letterpress coaster. Oh, and the sticker on the front of the Mylar sleeve is signed by Tim Hensley and numbered. I got number 292. They're long gone, and I didn't see any copies on eBay, but there's a French edition from Dargo with a different front and back cover. Pigeon Press was run by Alvin Buenaventura, who was known for meticulous attention to production quality on titles like Comic Art Magazine and Kramer's Ergot. Sir Alfred was the last title he worked on before his tragic death in 2016. Full disclosure, I've been a student of Alfred Hitchcock for the last decade or more, which made Sir Alfred the ideal title to kick off this podcast. But don't get the idea that this is a serious or heavy endeavor. The cover tells you all you need to know. The logo is based on DC's Adventures of Bob Hope logo, The author photo in the corner is actually a photo of silent film clown Ben Turpin, and Hitchcock himself is drawn to resemble little Lulu's friend Tubby. He's seated in a restaurant with cartoon Grace Kelly, and coolly saying, to her horror, I have the heart of a small boy. I keep it in a jar on my desk. Oh, and before I forget to mention, this is issue number three. No, there were no issues one or two. Even though Sir Alfred is a funny comic that's drawn funny, it accurately recounts numerous incidents from Hitchcock's private and professional lives in vignettes that run from fragments of a page 
up to four pages in length. The comic begins with a page of quotes about Hitchcock from the recently deceased actor-producer Norman Lloyd, as well as Tippi Hedren, Ingrid Bergman, and screenwriter Charles Bennett, drawn in the style of Ripley's Believe It or Not. It then moves on to an opening story about Alma Revel, who would marry Hitchcock in 1925. Here, she's a diminutive film buff. I'm film mad, she says. She's working as an assistant director and film editor who's being pestered by the new intertitle designer, Fred. It's a tribute to Hensley's eye for detail that he portrays Hitchcock here with a mustache, which he wore only briefly. The story captures the chaos of their early professional collaboration and courtship, which seems to have included a lot of motion sickness and money trouble. A series of half-page stories portray Hitchcock, the prankster who served an entire dinner dyed blue, or hired a woman from central casting to pretend to be his mother, or who refused to play along with actors' worries. For example, when Joseph Cotton says he's concerned about playing a murderer in Shadow of a Doubt, Hitchcock takes him for a walk and tells him to let him know when he spots a murderer on the street. This is also the Hitchcock who wouldn't budge under pressure from his boss, David Oselznik, when he was told to shoot faster and from more angles. And he was the Hitchcock who considered himself a wit when he gave his actors direction by via bad puns, like telling Gene Marsh in Frenzy, genuine chopper, in other words, real acts, relax. Or the older Hitchcock who expressed his sexual frustrations by spinning out rape scenes with his screenwriters. Half and full page stories labeled Sir Alfred are about his personal life, while the rest are titled with the names of the films they cover, including Psycho, Spellbound, Shadow of a Doubt, The Paradine Case, I Confess, Family Plot, Vertigo, The Birds, Under Capricorn, and the unmade movie Flamingo Feather. Then, a six-page sequence toward the end of the issue runs six brief comic strips per page, as if to cover more territory in as little space as possible. This section includes gags built around 18 films from the very well-known, like The Birds and Rebecca, to the rather obscure Number 17 and The Pleasure Garden. And yes, I've seen every one of them. And all these comic strips are built around real incidents as recounted in various books on Hitchcock. Possibly my favorite of these brief gags is the one about To Catch a Thief, which starts with three panels in which the movie's stars spout meaningless compliments about how great it was to work with Hitchcock and each other. Then the last panel shows Hitchcock saying about Grace Kelly, She fucked everyone. Why, she even fucked little Freddy, the writer. And that's a quote I remember from another Hitchcock biography. The centerpiece of the issue is a dizzying four-page story called The MacGuffin, about Hitchcock's childhood, from accompanying his green grocer father on vegetable buying trips to memorizing the entire British railway schedule, from visiting the museum at Scotland Yard and relishing the grisly details of each murder to witnessing the stunning audience response to an early silent film. It includes the harrowing incident in which Hitchcock's father sent him to a local police station with a note asking the sergeant to lock the small boy in a cell for a few minutes to teach him to respect authority. The story ends with Hitchcock's punishment for misbehavior at school in which his hand was beaten by with a rubber strop. To comfort himself, Hitchcock takes refuge in a movie fan magazine. It's a kaleidoscopic chapter that holds the keys to many of Hitchcock's fears and neuroses. The issue's finale is another four-page story, 
this one starring French film director Francois Truffaut as he comes to Hollywood to bear witness to Hitchcock's late career frustrations, the deaths of several close collaborators, Bernard Herrmann's refusal to compose a pop score to Torn Curtain, his inability to come up with a satisfying ending to Topaz, the arthritis that led him to alcohol to dull, dull the pain, and the sad coda after Truffaut's departure, in which Hitchcock, aware that he will never direct another movie, weeps while watching Studio Pablum like Benji and Smoking the Bandit. Tim Hensley's Hitchcock has more in common with Tubby than the way he's drawn. He's convinced he's the smartest and funniest person in the room, and rather handsome as well. He pouts when he's annoyed and lashes out when he's angry. Besides aping John Stanley, there are moments in Sir Alfred that are influenced by Rube Goldberg and Don Martin, with uncredited appearances by Bob Hope, John Ford, Salvador Dali, and countless other actors and writers. As beautiful, funny, and sad a comic book as this is, Tim Hensley showed great restraint in keeping it to 40 pages. Just off the top of my head, I can think of several Hitchcock anecdotes that he didn't include. Well, maybe he's saving them for a sequel. Issue number five, perhaps. Thanks for listening to One Shot Wonders. I'll be back next week with another One Shot comic. Meanwhile, hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, tell your friends, and go buy some comics.